love the bit where he says, 15 years after choosing to follow Jesus rather than my mates. How cool is that? So these testimony videos have been absolutely awesome. I don't know who's been here for all the other seminars this week in the Room Factory. Put your hand up if you've been here for any of them. Just one of them? Okay, cool. Quite a few of you. So I'll give you a little recap. So we had on Tuesday, we had Brendan talking about everyday power. So he was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we had Tom Head. He was talking about relationship goals. I heard that one was really good. I wasn't actually here till Wednesday, so I'm going to have to listen to that online. Um, and then we had Rebecca Walker speaking um, about what a time it is to be alive because God loves us so much. His love is wide and deep and just bigger and greater than we can imagine. And then yesterday we had Ben Lindsay in here and he interviewed a girl called Simone. Was anybody here for that? Yeah, that was incredible, wasn't it? I was like nearly in tears on the side there. But her story was just absolutely incredible. And what he spoke about was how God gives us an inner strength, a core strength, that when we're at things like New Day, it's quite easy to praise God and worship Him. But actually, when we get home, that's when we need that core inner strength. So that's what Ben spoke about yesterday. And this whole series has been covering Ephesians 3, um, about God being immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So now we find ourselves at the final little bit of the passage. Now when I got my verse to speak on, I can't lie, I did say a little bit, is that it? It's one sentence. I was like, okay, right, have I just turned up late to the buffet and everybody's taken all the meat and I'm just left with the salad? That's what it kind of felt like. But I quickly realized in reading it that it's definitely not just the leftovers. It's not just the summary of the rest of the week. It's not just a recap. It's actually the Anthony Joshua knockout punch. It's the winning verse. It's the verse that doesn't just end that passage, but it springboards us into the new chapter, the next chapter. And that's what this day at New Day is like for us. All right, guys, chill out. Um, (laughs) So today is the last day of New Day. But God is not finished with you guys yet. We're not wrapping up here. We're not summarizing what's going on. We're ready for God to do stuff in us today. He's got more power today than he's ever had. He's always got power. His power is unchanging. It's not like he's just kind of, oh, I've given you all so much this week. You can just go home now. Actually, God is willing and ready to do stuff in our lives. So we want to finish well and we want to get in formation. Who likes the song Formation by Beyonce? Yeah? So we're going to like change it a bit, so it's going to be like, okay, new day now, let's get in formation. Can you guys say it? Ready? Okay. Yes, I've never done something like that before. I feel like a real pop star. Right, so we're going to read the verse now, this one-sentence little verse, but remember, it's the Anthony Joshua knockout punch. Oh, that's not it. Right. Go back this way. Oh no, can we go back? Soz, my, my clicker person's gone. One sec, guys. Okay, so this is the verse. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all, say all, generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, this verse is so short that we can say it twice, so we're going to do it again. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to pray before we begin, so if everybody just closes their eyes. God, I thank you 
that you are not a God that runs out of energy or runs out of passion for us. God, I thank you that you've got so much in store for us this morning. I thank you that as we go home um, after today, that we're going to impact our generations more than we could ever even understand or comprehend in this room right now. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I pray that our ears, our hearts, and our eyes are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I love New Day. Does anybody else love New Day? Yeah? Good. So I've actually been at New Day for a long time now. So I was trying to work it out. And I think I've been here since I was about 13. So that's, well, 13, 14. So that's 10 years. It might be a little bit more, but 10 years just sounds good because that's like an anniversary. So I'm going to say this is my 10-year anniversary. Um, So I wanted to show you pictures of me from every year at New Day, just so you can see how much I've changed and grown, but actually how much New Day has changed. But I couldn't find pictures of every year. So here's just a few of them that I found. I don't know, can everybody see? No? Oh, those guys. Um, So there was 2008 there. There's 2009 where I really liked purple. Uh, 2010 down in the bottom, that was in the big top. And then 2011, that was my first year serving on team. That was when Rhythm Factory was first here. And it used to be, I think, in this cafe, so it was way smaller. But um, these were all incredible years, but I just want to focus on 2008 for a second. So um, I don't know if you guys can see, but this is Joe McNamara. (laughs) He looks about four years old. Um, (laughs) So do I. Um, But basically, in this picture, it's significant because that jumper that I was wearing, it's like this massive Hollywood jumper, like a proper tourist jumper. And um, I remember we were going home that day and I was wearing my big jumper. And I got in, I got to my back bedroom in my house. I had the littlest bedroom because I'm the youngest of three, so you always get the tiny bedroom for some reason. And uh, I had my sleeping bag and it was wrapped in, um, in a bin bag, because you have to do that in case you get flooded or something. Um, and I just threw it up onto my bed, and I rested down on it, and I just felt sad. I felt so sad. And you know when you feel sad, but you're, like, just about holding it together, like, you're not yet crying, but then somebody says to you, oh, are you okay? Or somebody's nice to you, and then you just burst into tears. Well, that happened to me. So <laughs> my mum came up the stairs, and she was like, oh, are you okay? And I cried and I cried and I cried. I was crying because New Day was over. And that sounds so silly and so weak. But really, I think 2008 was probably the first year that I had truly experienced God, that I felt like I truly understood what it was like to be in his presence. And I I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave. I wanted New Day to last forever. I was so sad. Another time, I was um, in my youth group, and my youth leader asked us, oh, um, does anybody want to get baptized? What do you guys think of baptism? And I remember I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm just going to wait till I get to New Day, and then God will speak to me about it there. And I remember she looked at me, and she, she had so much patience. But she was like, Emma, God doesn't only exist at New Day, you know. He exists right here, right now. He exists in the everyday. God can speak to you wherever you are. Now, I needed to understand as a teenage Christian that I'm actually being addressed, that I'm being addressed in the Bible, that God isn't reserved simply for the youth camps or just the Friday night. But actually, I have a purpose and I have a calling and I'm being called out in the Bible, in the word of God, to live for him and to bring glory to him. I needed to get an understanding of that. Now, 
Each generation has a defining characteristic. So I don't know if you guys know what generation you are, but the generation before you is generation Y, so that's my generation. So that makes you guys generation Z. Now, I don't know what's going to happen after that because we're at the end of the alphabet, but anyway. So every generation has defining characteristics decided by maybe like advertisers or just clever people, I don't know. And generation Y was defined as lazy, as... What was it? Lazy, just self-interested, we love ourselves, and generation Y knee. That's what we were. So generation Z are you guys, yeah? So each of you are part of generation Z. Now, people have already started trying to claim what you guys are going to be. Does anybody know a little bit about what people are saying you are going to be? No? Well, let me tell you. So some people have said that Generation Z, you're going to be screen addicts because you've just grown up with your phones. How old was everyone when they got a phone? Just shout out how old you were. Yeah, lots of different... Ten! Oh, my gosh. Ten. Ten's very young. Okay, but anyway, you've grown up with a phone, so you're screen addicts. Um, and then other people have said that you're going to be entrepreneurs, so you're going to be working for yourself. You're going to have all these ideas. You're going to be on Dragon's Den. And then other people have said that you're going to be afraid to take risks because you've seen the risks of previous generations and you don't want to make those same mistakes. But actually, that was only like one or two websites that could really guess what you guys are going to be. But the majority of websites simply said TBD, to be decided. The book of your generation is wide open. The pages are blank. And the pen is in each and every single one of your hands. You can write the book of your generation. What do you want to be said about your generation? It can be said and it can be done and it starts with you. Did you know that it's not just people in the world that try and define what generation we're going to be? But actually, the Bible defines what generation we're going to be too. That's pretty crazy. So there's a few verses. So if we just flick through... Isaac's taking pictures of me, not concentrating. Um, again? Again? There we go. Right. So we've got a few different verses. So Psalm 102 verse 18 says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So you're going to be a generation that praises the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 5, his faithfulness continues through all generations. You're a generation with God's faithfulness over you. God is faithful to your generation. Psalm 145 verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. God's dominion wasn't just over those generations of Noah and that in the Bible, but it's over your generation. It's so cool. And it's so exciting that God actually wants us to be a part of his generational plan, that he's actually mapped this all out and he invites us to be a part of it. Did you know that God's greatest desire for the world is for his glory to just be all in around the world? People say that his desire is for the world to reverberate with his glory. It's like vibrations of his glory everywhere in the world. And he asks us to be the ones to help him do that to help reflect his glory to people in the world. But the problem is that so often we want that glory for ourselves. We want to be praised. We want to be appreciated. We want to be recognized. 
And in doing that, we actually turn the mirror that we're supposed to be reflecting the glory back to God in all that we do, and we turn it onto ourselves. We're concerned with ourselves. Now, there's a um, theologian, like an old man who's clever with the Bible, I guess, um, called John Piper. Has anybody heard of John Piper before? Yeah? Okay, great. A few John Piper fans. Okay, so he's got a quote which kind of describes it quite perfectly. So it says, We take the mirror of God's image, which was intended to reflect his glory into the world. We turn our backs to the light, and we fall in love with the contours of our own dark shadow, trying desperately to convince ourselves with Snapchat filters, with how smart we are, with how fit we are, with how many boys fancy us or girls fancy us, or how good our clothes look, that the dark shadow of the image on the ground in front of us is really glorious and satisfying. In our proud love affair with ourselves, we pour contempt, whether we know it or not, on the worth of God's glory. Now, I obviously added in the Snapchat bit because I don't know if he wrote it when Snapchat existed. But what we're saying is that the dark shadow in front of you, what is that dark shadow for you? What is it that you're putting your identity in? What is it that you're finding your security in? What is it that you're finding your worth in? Because do you know that in finding your worth and your glory in that is basically exchanging Nando's for McDonald's. God's glory is the Nando's. God's glory is like gaucho, like a really expensive steak restaurant. God's glory is like diamonds and our glory that we're reflecting to ourselves is like them little stick-on gems that you get and you stick to your clothes when you're five years old. We don't want to exchange God's glory for our own glory. We need to understand that God's glory is a treasure. It's such a treasure to be a part of his plan, to reflect his glory. I've, like I said, I've been at New Day for 10 years, and five of those years I've been serving on team. And so often we see the same people coming back year after year with similar issues. And it's kind of like you've come to New Day and you've met God and it's so great and you're surrounded by all these people and it's like a little taste of heaven on earth but then you just go back home and your faith kind of just dwindles out until next year but you're so excited for new day again the next year but that's not how God wants us to live it's time for us to get in formation we want to go home and we want to be different yeah so I didn't actually know what formation meant. I don't know if anybody knows what formation means. I just knew that it was the Beyonce song. And I kind of imagine it to be like an army, you know, like when they're marching in formation. I don't know if that's correct. But anyway, so I Googled it, as you do, and alongside the word formation came up loads of other little words which are associated with it to say what it means. Um, and there were three specific words that I think help us practically get information. You guys have heard so many preachers this week, like so many. Your minds must be full of information right now. So you need some practical steps, yeah? Some practical things that you can do when you get home. So three of these words were planting, shaping, and emerging. If you're a note taker, I'm a note taker, then you can write these three words down. So the first that we're going to look at is planting. So the easiest way to get planted when we get back home is get rooted in our church. Yeah? Get rooted in church. Get good people around you. Get solid people that are going to help you in your life and are going to lead you in the right direction. Are you serving on team? If you're not, why not? You're not too young to serve. You don't have to be 30 and married with a kid to serve on team. You can serve now. When you get back home tomorrow, 
Go and ask your leaders, where can I serve? What can I do? Because you are actually being addressed in the Bible as a generation, and it's time for you to stand up and be that generation. Nobody's going to do that for you. You need to stand up and be that generation because God isn't concerned with you in the church as just another face in the crowd. He's not concerned with you as just the youth group or in your school, like with your school friends. He's not concerned with you as just the one that's happy. He's concerned with the qualities that he's put within you. There's a great story in uh, Judges 7 about Gideon's army. Has anyone heard the story of Gideon's army before? Hmm, a few of you haven't. Okay, well, I'm going to go through it with you really quickly. So Gideon, he had an army of 32,000 people. Now, just to get that into context, that's basically everybody in the big top times by four. So that's like a lot of people. That was a big army. He had a lot of soldiers. He was ready to take down the enemy. But God said to Gideon, Gideon, you got too many. Let all who are afraid go back. Now, fair enough. Gideon had a lot of people, so he was probably like, okay, God, I get what you're saying. I'll go and speak to them. So he goes over and he speaks to his army and he says, right, well, if anyone's afraid, you can go back. How many people do you think turned back from Gideon's army and left? You can shout out some numbers. All of them? 32,000. That was all of them. Any, any other numbers? Half of them, 31,000. Okay, 22,000 of Gideon's army turned back. Gideon was left with just 10,000 people from his original 32,000. Now, that's quite a loss. He was probably thinking, oh, my goodness, like safety in numbers is out the window. But God, being God, said to him again, Gideon, you've still got too many. He's probably like, what? I haven't. Did you see how many just walked out? He said, I can see those among you who are not prepared for what we are going to do. So Gideon, obedient as ever, did as, God, did as God directed him to do and took them down to the river and tested them the way that God told him to. Gideon was left with just 300 people in his army. He had gone from 32,000 to 300. Now, not only does this story show us, yep, yeah, Gideon was obedient, so good for him, but actually, importantly, it shows us that God is concerned with quality over quantity. So whether you're a part of a church of 10,000 people or whether you've only got 20 people in your church, God is actually concerned with the quality that is within you, not about the size of your youth group or the size of your church. What qualities do you have within you? What qualities are you reflecting back to God as his glory? So we, we can show our willingness and our, our wanting to be planted and our qualities through our action. So yeah, let's step out. Let's ask if we can serve on team. Let's get rooted in church. Let's be committed. We're going to be there every Sunday. We're going to be at youth group every Friday. We're going to serve. We're going to get good people around us. And that's how we get planted and rooted in our church. And we'll just see incredible things grow out of that. So the next bit that we're going to look at is shaping. So, I've got a question for you all, and I want you to just be vocal and shout out your answers. So, what music artists do you think have shaped culture or shaped music through their music? One Direction, Kanye West, Wiley, Jay-Z. 
This is great. Okay, loads of great people. Now, one that I want to look at is Michael Jackson. He shaped culture, right? He shaped music forever. He shaped dancing, didn't he? So Quincy Jones was one of Michael Jackson's good friends, and he wrote in his autobiography about Michael Jackson, he said, he showed up at 5 a.m. for his makeup call and had every detail of what he needed to do memorized and ready for every shoot. He also knew every dance step, every word of dialogue, and all the lyrics of every song by everyone in the entire production. Michael Jackson knew what he wanted to do. He had vision, he had passion, and he had determination. Now, what's someone, somebody else who shaped culture? Beyonce. Yeah, my fave, Beyonce. So, she, her and Jay-Z, they've recently been named as one of the world's richest couples. So, she could basically just be sitting on a yacht sipping cocktails every day of the week. But no, she's committed to her art. She said about herself, one thing about me, I practice until my feet bleed. She doesn't even need to practice till her feet bleed. She's incredible. But she's got vision, passion, and determination to do what she wants to do, to shape a generation, to shape a culture of music. Now, for us, as generation shapers, that's a big task, right? That's a big thing to do. There's so many people in our generation. How do we do it? Well, thankfully, we're not alone. We're not alone in our generation shaping. God gives us the Holy Spirit and gives us his strength to be able to do that. And after all, what is a generation? A generation is simply every single one of you doing what you can in your friendship groups, in your families. So how are you shaping cultures there? Many of you are probably the only Christian in your family. How are you shaping the culture of your household? What about in your friendship groups? Many of you will be the only Christian in your friendship groups. How are you shaping the culture of your friendship groups? Are you shaping a culture of forgiveness of love, encouragement, kindness? Or are you shaping a culture of bitterness, anger, jealousy, holding grudges? We've got something so precious. We've got a treasure. And we, we can show our friends and our family a better way to live. We also have gifts and talents. So I believe that God is just so gracious to us that not only does he give us the Holy Spirit, but he makes it fun for us to shape our generation. He gives us unique interests and unique things. So I started a blog a few years ago. Some of you may know it, but it was just like a little blog about lifestyle and just like a diary of my life. And um, I got a few teenage girls. They would kind of comment on it and send me emails and ask me questions. And I remember thinking... Haven't you got anyone else to ask? Not in a rude way, but like, I'm not exactly a trusted source. I'm not verified. You don't know me. How do you know that the advice that I can give you is even good? So I started looking around on the internet to see if there were any websites specifically for teenage Christian girls that could just give them this advice and this life, I don't know, life advice from a faith perspective. I found one or two, but they weren't that great. They were just kind of I don't know, a bit boring, not very eye-catching. I noticed a need, and I noticed in that need that I was probably, probably being asked to respond to it. Now, I'm a massive procrastinator. I don't know about you guys, but when you get homework, you just spend a lot of time thinking about it and researching, but not actually doing anything. 
Well, that's what I did for a long time. So it was probably one or two years that I was just thinking and researching and it was just on my mind. But eventually I knew, do you know what? This need isn't going away. I need to respond to it. So I started a website called Girl Got Faith. Um, it's, I call it the Teen Girl's Guide to Faith, Beauty and Lifestyle. Um, and basically it's just a magazine, that, an online magazine that I want to help to encourage young girls that are Christians to be confident in their faith and find their identity in who they are in God. And in doing so, they can become better daughters, they can be better sisters, better friends, and one day they'll be better mothers. So that's then impacting the next generation. When I was growing up, I had friends that I would sit next to in meetings like this at New Day, and they then went away from church. I wonder if they had had something back then that could have given them the confidence to be who they are in God, to navigate the twists and turns of life with a God-centered approach. I wonder if their story maybe would have been different. Now, I didn't want to let history repeat itself. I knew that I needed to do something about it. I needed to respond to the need that I saw. There's an incredible quote by a man called William Wilberforce which says, you may turn and look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. I feel like as I've been speaking that there are going to be people here that know that there's a specific need that they've noticed, whether that's in your friendship groups, whether that's in your school, whether that's just something else, maybe online, some, something that you've noticed that there's a need. You've noticed that need because you're being asked to respond to it. Are you going to respond to it? Are you going to step up? At the end, I would love to pray for anybody that feels like there's a specific need. I would love to pray for you because I believe that that need is not going to go away. That passion to serve that need isn't going to go away unless you do something about it. And it's exciting that as a generation, as a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, you're already being called to things. You're being called to speak into specific areas of life. I love in um, Adam's testimony, when he talks about his friends, he, d he doesn't talk about how he just, that his friends weren't into the things that he was into and they thought he was a boring Christian, so he just was like, okay, bye, and left them. They stayed his friends. He said that um, they began dancing to the beat of life that Jesus had created. He kept in that friendship group. The same way that you or I, maybe we've got friends that aren't into the same stuff as us, maybe they're not into church. We're being called to shape those friendships. Let's not just turn away and ignore it, but let's do something about it. Okay, so we've had planting. So we're going to get planted in our churches. We're going to serve. We're going to get good people around us. We're going to shape our cultures, shape our friendship groups, shape our families. We're going to respond to the need that we see. And finally, we're going to emerge. So New Day's tagline is, A Generation is Emerging. Now, the thing with emerging is it happens slowly. So the tagline isn't a generation suddenly appearing. It's a generation is emerging. Emerging happens gradually. It's like when you were 10 and you imagined what 16 would feel like. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? You have those feelings. So I remember when I was 16, and I'm 24 now, and I would imagine, what was 24 going to be like? I thought I would own a house, maybe have a dog, maybe have a child, maybe own a, a big car. I don't know. What, what did I want? I just wanted loads of things. But the point is, I'm quite far off 
from a lot of those things still. I've got a long way to go. But life just happens. You're going to become a generation, whether you like it or not. It's inevitable. The same way that I became an adult, whether I liked it or not. But the good thing about emerging is that you've got time. You've got time to make daily decisions, to become that generation that you want to see written down in that book like we spoke about before. When people speak about Generation Z, what are they going to say about you? We want to make those choices and decisions now which are going to impact our tomorrow and bring glory to God and his church. In the Bible, there's like loads of other generations and there's all the old people and the people that did incredible things. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's something called the cloud of witnesses. So it's basically like an, just, it's like an imagination-y thing. So imagine like a big cloud, and then all of the cool people that did incredible things in the Bible, just imagine them all in that crowd going, come on, you can do it. I did it. I saw this miracle happen because I stepped out in faith. I saw this. And they're encouraging you as the next generation. Because remember, God's plan spans from generation to generation so they're encouraging you they're pushing you on they're urging you think about Moses he was we 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 hear that he was um he couldn't speak very well that maybe he had a stutter I don't know but God called him to speak up for the Israelites and through that he saw incredible things happen Moses saw the parting of the Red Sea I would have loved to have seen that what about Paul he faced imprisonment He was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was beaten with rods, all so that the gospel could spread far and wide and so that the church could be built. Daniel, he was a man of God. He knew what he believed in. And even though he was told that he wasn't allowed to worship that God anymore, that he had to worship another one, he refused. He refused to bow down to any other gods, even though it was going to cost him his life. He was thrown into the lion's den, But God delivered him because God kept those lions' mouths shut. He kept the lions asleep for the night. What about Esther? She was a shy, a timid girl who became the queen of Persia, born for such a time as this. She was able to stop a mass genocide simply by standing up for what she believes in. Each and every one of us here are born for such a time as this. You were born into this generation for a specific purpose. It is no mistake that you are in this generation. You're sitting in this room right now for a purpose. You're here at New Day this week for a purpose. What generation will you be? We've got a calling and a responsibility. We've heard that we're addressed in the Bible. We've got to stand up and be a generation that gives glory to God, that says no to the things that other people are doing and points them to Jesus, gives glory to God in all that we do. The thing I want most, most of anything, is for you guys to not get six months down the line and look back at New Day as the time that you were closer to God, the time that you prayed more, the time that you had bigger faith. Because actually it says in the Bible... I think it should come up on here. Um, It says in Proverbs 4, verse 18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So whether you became a Christian 10 years ago or whether you became a Christian last night or this morning, your life should be shining brighter for Jesus every single day. You're on a journey with God where every single day is a step closer to being like him. 
a step further in your faith. As we get from new day, we're not stepping away from God and away from God. We're stepping closer into him. This is a springboard into the other 51 weeks of the year. New day isn't the only time that you're going to meet with God. So we need to get in formation. We need to go home because we're all going home tomorrow or today, whenever it is that you're going home. We're all going to be going home and we've got a job to do. We need to take this seriously. So we're going to get planted in our churches. We're going to get good people around us. We're going to shape our cultures to be what we want it to be. We have the ability to do that, you know, through God. And we're going to emerge as a generation that can stand up for what we believe in. We're going to emerge as a generation that gives glory to God. So a generation is emerging. And if you're ready, I would love you to stand up. It says in Luke 8, verse 39, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. We're just going to sing a song of worship now, and then we're going to pray over you, um, because it's time for us to go home, and it's time for us to be shaped and shape our cultures.